surface with Bob. Welcome to Breakfast with Bob. My name is Bob Babbitt. We are brought to you by PTO, the Pro Triathletes Organization, by Amp Human, by VeloFix, Normatech, Form Goggles, You Can, and our Challenged Athletes Foundation. We just sent out 3,921 grants, totally $5.9 million. Our next guest, six-time Wildflower Champion, a two-time Ironman Champion, three-time 70.3 Champion, Mr. Jesse Thomas joins us. How are you doing, Jess? Doing well. Thanks a lot for chatting with me, Bob. Good to see you, man. It's been a while. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. We basically did your whole career together. It's yeah, been, I know. Uh, <laughs> honestly, yeah, we did. You were one of the first people I talked to. I, th I think maybe the first, honestly, after I won that first Wildflower. Yeah, that was unbelievable. So anyway, Crazy. I've always had a propensity for looking at uh, guys who do steeplechase and women right. who do steeplechase. They're just tough, right? And if you look at your the races that you won, the whales and uh, Lanzarote and yeah. six-times wildflower, they're tough races, right? They're, totally. they're just, it's you against the course. Nobody's saying at the end of those races, oh, so-and-so drafted on me. Yeah. It's basically, you just what led you to, to steeplechase? Because that's, you know, that, that's not one of those yeah. things that people normally uh, are drawn to. Yeah, it's typically, you have to have a screw loose, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I was, uh, and I mean, it, it plays into triathlon. I was, a, I was a good distance runner in high school, pretty, pretty good in college. But I was always just a little bit of a, I wasn't like a purebred, you know, like you see those guys that are out there and they're, oh, yeah. you know, five, seven, 110 pounds, you know, and um, that just wasn't me. I was, I was more athletic. I played basketball through high school, which you and I have talked about. You and, can slam um, dunk, baby. I love it. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I dunked on my, rec on my track recruiting trip. Um, yeah, but uh, so, you know, I just had a little bit more athleticism and I thought that when I saw the steeplechase, I thought that that might suit that athleticism and um and it did. My, my coach historically admitted to me, he's like, I, we never really made anyone for the steeplechase because I was always, I always felt like my athletes couldn't quite handle it. And I was worried about them getting hurt. And then I was like, not good enough that it mattered too much if I got hurt. So they kind of <laughs> <laughs> threw me in there. They were like, if he can get us some points at Pac-10s or at NCAAs in the steeplechase, great. And I just ended up having some success there. Wow, All-American. Come on yeah. now. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So out of, out of Stanford, uh, what did, did you have a sense at that point? Your MS, what, mechanical engineering? Yeah. Did, what, what did you want to get into at that point? Well, I was going to be – well, you know, the, the long story or the, and the quick version of it is that I, I, I wanted to try to run in the Olympics, and I was uh, 11th in the U.S. in the steeplechase my senior year yep. um, at 22, and then I broke my foot the next, the next fall in cross country. And I got a navicular stress fracture, which is, you know, a recurring theme now. Was, I guess now that was my first of three that, right. I had, that I had over the course of my lifetime. And um, – uh, it just took like, you know, that was my first experience. It took a year to recover from that or more. And um, in that time I lost, you know, my scholarship ended. I lost, I didn't, I wasn't like a pro. I, did, I had no support. So I was finishing my master's degree and started um, cycling as a, 
means to be competitive and to, you know, and to exercise and then got into cycling and race cycling for about six months before I crashed and broke my neck. I remember that because yeah. you, you were, you could have been paralyzed. Yeah. I was really, really lucky to, you know, I mean, I was banged up for a long, long time, but to not have any, not to have any permanent damage, obviously. And, um, or not, nothing that limits me in any significant way. And then, um, and so that, that, uh, but that episode, I mean, when I, when I broke my neck, I was 24 and um, had just finished my master's degree. I was working at a startup with some friends, kind of part-time. And um, that just forced me into full, full-time startup life, um, you know, because I, I couldn't, I wasn't active for like a year after that. And much less like, you know, pursuing any type of serious training. And um, yeah, so that, that kind of led me to a whole different stretch. And when did triathlon come into your world? So yeah, it was, I had been working in the startup like a, you know, 60, 80, hundred hours a week, like you do when you're in your early twenties yep. and you just left Stanford and you live in San Francisco. And um, I needed a break from it. I was super burnt and I just discovered triathlon as this fun thing to go do. And it's a st- typical story that a lot of pros have where they, they went out, I went out and I did a local Saturday fun try and, um, and I won it. And it was, you know, and it was like a, it was a sprint and I just, um, I just kind of fell in love with it. I, I, what I loved about what I remember loving about it was after four and a half, five years in collegiate, in like NCAA division one athletics and racing at like a U at least a national class level, it was really fun to go back and just be part of this like community event to start. And it just, it just felt like, kind of the core of racing what racing was for me growing up and and um and that's what drew, drew me to it well there's a big leap from doing that to you know going to wildflower as a pro yeah and <laughs> when but, did but you wildflower get has that same vibe though too you it's know even up. though even though it is like and it, that's probably part of the reason why i did well there too is that it just it has that like homegrown feel even though it's you know an internationally competitive event right um it just has that feel so that real yeah. vibe. So when you when you decide you're going to go to Wildflower and race there, well, you, you Matt Lieto's your bud, and yeah, and loans you what a bike, a kits, pretty much. Yeah, everything yeah. I, well, yeah. Matt Matt loaned me the helmet. I had a friend in Eugene that loaned me a bike because my bike broke on Wednesday, the day before we were leaving to drive down to the race. Yeah, and um, and then yeah, and I had a I had like a hand me down kit that someone had given me, like unbranded. Uh, Pearl Izumi kit, ironically, which ended up being my first major sponsor. Um, I'm sure that that was no coincidence. But um, but anyway, yeah, that that was it. And I went down there and and just had this, you know, as you and I have talked about a lot, this shocker of a race, and um, climbed my way in from 20 plus place out of the water to 10th off the bike to eventually first a mile before the finish line and and cross the finish line and. And the and the funny story that you know that we tell is that we go. I went across the finish line and no, literally nobody knew who I was, including the announcer. Right. Across the finish line, yeah. He goes, "Wow!" And here comes our men's champion. And then looks over and, "Dude, what's your name?" So <laughs> I, yeah. yeah, we do a we did a thing on stage uh, yeah. the night before, right? When we're interviewing yeah. everybody on the stage. I think you were race number forty-eight, or I forget what yeah. number you 87 were. Yeah, eighty-seven like, is the number. Yeah. 
<laughs> it was added on because I was a late sign up. So it was after the win the men's numbers were like the first 50 and then like 51 through 80 were the women's and they put me at 87. <laughs> and you buy some aviators at the drugstore on the way in for yeah. what, a few bucks and yeah. Racing them. Yeah, it was crazy. And then and then it just so happened that they that they were live streaming on YouTube these um post race interviews. Yeah. And it just caught me in this. You know, I'd never been interviewed interviewed by anyone for anything. And it just and it caught me in this like just complete shock state where I was just so excited and you know, talking about how my friends in Eugene were gonna freak out when they found out I won the race <laughs> and I had my aviators on. It was just so it just ended up being this really funny thing that huh. kind of propelled me into the sport. Well, then you got in the cover of Triathlete magazine and just yeah. everything just started rolling and it, what did Lieto say when when uh because you must right. have seen him on the way back on the run yeah that's were... right he had he um we had uh there was I forgot about that part of the story <laughs> there was a uh, um the night before he had he had let me borrow all this stuff you know yeah. like I mean he let me his helmet but it was like all these other like little knick-knack things that I needed to like hold my nutrition on the bike and everything and he was like man He's like, he's like, if you, I'm going to let, I'm going to let you use all this stuff, but you have to promise me there's clause C. Clause C is you are not allowed to pass me on the run. <laughs> and I came up, I came up to him right at the top of the big, big climb on the run, like six miles in, six, seven yeah. miles in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he held up this C because <laughs> he could hear me coming up and I I like just came up next to him I was like oh man is it all right and he's like he's like it's okay man this one time <laughs> and then I ran by and kept going see I love it yep Claus C. oh my god yeah hey, so how did that change everything for you obviously you're on the cover of triathlete magazine you're you know well yeah it was like yeah it was it was a little bit yeah, it was a slow burn. I mean, I got I got a lot of, you know, I got interviewed by everyone after that, yep. you know, ever after that race, which was cool. And then, you know, and then I I went and I I finished top, you know, uh in the prize money. I'm actually proud to say I finished in the prize money in every race uh my entire career besides the world championships, which is pretty awesome. Wow. Um, and well, and or if I, you know, dropped out or had some other random sure. thing. But, um, but yeah, but, uh, so I didn't, but I didn't win any other races, you know, but then it was really the next, um, year. It was the next year because the next year was, I think wildflowers, maybe 35th anniversary or uh -huh. something, something significant. Yeah. Yep. And so triathlete magazine did a story on wildflower and they wanted to put me on the cover and they put me on the cover in my aviators yes. and, um, which was just, you know, a unique cover for them. And, uh, and then, um, yeah, I went into that race and, you know, that was just this big, it was just this huge kind of thing for me. And it, it was just crazy because a year later I was, had gone from this, no one had heard of to on the cover of triathlete magazine and, and honestly feeling, um, you know, pretty sheepish about that because I, I hadn't won any races since then. There were, there was a lot of like, you know, that was kind of a fluke that he, that, that I won the year before. And I thought a bit of that myself. And so that was, I was pretty nervous prior to that race, but, um, luckily had a, had a gr another great day there. Like I did many times and, um, and won that one. And, th and that, that was a big, that was like the most relief that probably after any race that I've ever felt.
Yeah, because you're coming in with all the all the hubbub, and now you, yeah. you, you win it when people are like, yeah. okay, is this guy a flash in a pan or not? Yeah, yeah. There was just it was just like a and 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 at that point, I kind of had felt like I had legitimized myself as a pro, kind of because I had yep. won a race back to back, and I I beat some pretty good people in that race, and and so um, yeah, it was a good feeling. What was it about that course? It was so it's so perfect for you. Well, it's you know, I'm an engineer, it's basic math. <laughs> so it's really simple. Like um, you basically wetsuit swim, which, uh, you know, shortens the swim, which yep. is good for me. And then um, a super hard bike ride and a super hard run, which between the two of them ends up adding 15 more minutes to the race, you know? And, yep. and so you, you basically have 15 more minutes of riding and running for me to catch up or pass people. That's, that's what I need, you know? And I think particularly the run, just the combo of such a hard ride followed by such a hard run makes that run just destroy people. Yes. And, and having a strength running background like I did, um, you know, if you run, like I, I, think I, I think the only person, there's, I think only Simon Lessing and um, Terenzo have, have ever run faster than I did on that course. And, and not, not a lot. Um, but I mean, you know, I would, I would run one fourteen or whatever on that course. And most guys were running like one twenty. you oh, know, just so hard, such a hard course. Yeah. It's always hot. Yeah. You could just make up huge differences on the run there, you know? So as a steeplechase guy, yeah, I was like the carnage in the pit. What, uh, yeah. What what do you remember from from your steeplechase days of some of the worst biffs that you saw? Oh, I mean, well, uh, you know, I it's a rite of passage. I went down in my first steeplechase. Um, Did you really? At, okay. Yeah, actually, they had thrown me. They put me in the steeplechase. Um, they put me in the steeplechase my sophomore year just kind of last minute at the big meet, which is the race between Stanford and the meet between Stanford and Cal. Right. So oh. it's our, like, it's our, um, kind of rivalry. Yeah. Super Bowl meet. For you guys. Yeah. And Stanford had a, you know, we had a dominant endurance team. I mean, it was, you know, we were NCAA top three in the, in cross country every year I was there. And so we, um, and Cal had some guys, but, but we were, we were pretty good. So they put me in the steeplechase as kind of this last minute thing. And we had swept every event from the 800 up. And the steeplechase was like the last event. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> and um, I get thrown in there and I'm racing and I'm like battling for third place with this one Cal guy. There's two Stanford guys in front of me, way, way in front of us. Yeah, yeah. And I, on the last lap, I go around, I'm like, it's like third hurdle, maybe second hurdle. And I eat it and I can't, and I miss out. And, the, and this <laughs> cow guy gets third place and breaks up our sweep of all, uh, the, all the distance events. Had you ever gone down in the, in the water pit? Uh, no, it wasn't in the water pit, luckily. I didn't, I didn't eat it in the water pit. But I'd, I've seen plenty of those. Somebody goes down almost every race, of at course. least at the NCAA level. And, but then on the flip side of that, my junior year so li just a, literally just a year later i was one of the better steeplechasers in uh certainly in the conference and um and the reigning nc the reigning pac-10 champion 
I was running neck and neck with him on the last lap and he went down on the last barrier and I won. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So we were, we were right next to each other and I'll never forget. I, I it's like one of those things I remember just him going down and me like, Oh shit. I, I can win. Don't, yeah. Don't screw up and I can win pack tens. Oh, <laughs> so man. yeah, it was pretty crazy. I remember uh, Tom Hunt was a, a top runner back in the day and, yep. and he said, he said the difference between steeple and anything else, other races you do, you sort of, you start to tie up a little bit. Yeah. You sort of ease, you, you sort of fall apart gradually. When yeah. you're in the steeple, you fall apart now. Like yeah, second, yeah, oh yeah. Next second, their piano is like crushing you. It's done. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, the um, one like interesting, another like math tidbit yeah. is that like all of the, like uh, the USA Championship qualifying time, the Olympic A standard, B standard, all these like standards, they're in the steeplechase, they're almost always the same uh, time per lap as a 10K. And so it's a 3K steeple is the same as a 10K lap pace, right? And yeah. that, that's, that's how much those barriers matter, like how much it slows you down. It, you know, it's a third of the distance and you're running the same pace. It's pretty crazy. So you, when I look at your other wins, like Wales and yep. Lanzarote, again, I was in Lanzarote one year and people talk about hard Ironman. I don't think yeah. there's anything harder than yep. Ironman Lanzarote. Yep. And, but did you dig that one too, just because it was that hard? I mean, it was literally, you know, you knew by then, I mean, I spent the first half of my career focusing on the, on half Ironman distance races. And, um, and I'd had, and I'd won a fair number in, uh, on the tougher courses. And then, so when I transitioned to Ironman, I was just like, I gotta, I gotta just find the hardest Ironmans I can because that's where I'm going to have success. I can't go do Texas, you know, no. I can't go do like one of these things where it's just going to be front pack with a line of 30 guys up, you know, coming in just on a train. And so I looked up and it was really simple. Like I went to Torsten's, uh, yes. you know, website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had the, what were the slowest Ironmans? And the, oh, and they wow. were, and the first, the first slowest one was Wales. The next slowest one was Lanzarote. Hey, you're so those right were the, there. Yeah, so those were the two. Those were the two that I chose. They Wales had set six thousand feet of climbing on the bike and like two thousand feet of climbing on the run. Oh my god! And um, Lanzarote was nine thousand feet of climbing on the bike. Um, so it's just like just devastating and windy, you know, like actually pretty hot, which which tends to not be my 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 strong suit, but um, dry enough there that's not devastating. And, um, yeah, so that was why I chose it. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, I barely, I think I rode in both of those races. Like I rode over five hours at Wales when I won and cause it was raining too. <laughs> I was going to toss that in too. Yeah, totally. And then at Lanzarote, I, I had a good ride at Lanzarote and I was like, I think it was 445 maybe something yeah. like that. I mean, it's slow. It's hard, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's crazy. So then you, you go a couple years ago, you've been doing, you know, sort of the same events and then you go to challenge Roth. Yeah. And if you look at challenge Roth, that's a fast swim. Yeah. It's a spectacular bike ride. Yep. It's a pretty flat run. Yep, totally. But it doesn't look at, when you look at it, it's not like, okay, this isn't a Jesse Thomas, Lanzarote, Wild no. Wales, but you'd always wanted to go sub eight. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah. You want to go sub eight. If you're totally. going to go sub eight, that's a place to do it. So that's a place to do it. 
And you're going up against Andreas Streets and Sebastian Keenley yeah. and Joe Skipper. Yeah. It's like yeah. the Hall of Fame. Right. Totally. And you're, were you 38 at that point? Yeah. Yep. 38. Yeah. So I just had my second kid about eight, six, seven months beforehand. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. So you're setting yourself up for potentially, you know, having, uh, having a race where you're in a different zip code. That, totally. Yeah, you're with every Uber cyclist in the world. And what I love is you, you came out, right? Front pack swim. Yeah, well, what ended up happening was all of us, I mean, the, it was just a shocker. Andreas led, and he just didn't, you know, and he's a fantastic swimmer. Yeah. And um, nobody pulled away on the swim. Even, uh, you know, guy that, uh, there was a, there were a couple other ITU guys that didn't end up even finishing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was surprising. Like, I came out with Sebastian, uh, who I normally swim with. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, we were, bo we were both in the front pack, which was just crazy. Yeah. So now you ride along, and there's Sebastian, and then here comes Cam Worth, right? Yeah. Going by both. yeah, I actually had a great – I had a really fast transition and came out with, like, the top few guys. So I was in, like, third or fourth place kind of in the line Yeah. Um, right off the bat. And Seb Sebastian and Cam were a ways back. I had actually moved into maybe first or second when, um, when Sebastian came by, and then I – started i just tried to go with sebastian and then cam came by us and then we were both the three all three of us were together after about five miles into the ride so when those guys when you're riding with sebastian keenley and cam worth right and you're going okay this is this is a full iron man yeah you go through the first half yeah 204 yeah, basically yeah. what you would do if you were racing at seventy point three. It was one. It was one of my fastest seventy point three times ever. <laughs> You've still got um, another ninety k. Yeah, I mean, I knew, I knew I was in great shape. Yeah. Um, you know, so I knew, so and I and I was basically like the goal was to try to get top three in that race, you know. And I'm like, the longer I can stick with these guys, the you know, the more likely I'm going to put, I'm going to put time on everybody else. And, um, and I just destroyed myself to stay with them. And, um, you know, it was way, it was one of those like race time decisions where you're just like, you know, it was a big, big risk, but, yeah. um, but I ended up, you know, lucking out, but I mean, the second half of that ride, yeah, I rode 10 minutes slower. I think I rode 214 or 215 on the second half. Second lap, yeah. yeah. And, um, it was a little bit windier, but it was mostly my legs. And um, yeah, and, and then, uh, but but luckily I was just in such good, I was just so strong, you know, at, at that point in such, and really, really, really good running shape yeah. that I was able to run hard off of that, even though I'd completely annihilated my my legs in that Yeah, run. well, I remember reading it, it's like your stomach was messed up, you've got yeah. a calf strain, your foot is crushed. Well, my, my, I'd had this sciatic problem for like, a year and a half and my my whole left leg up to about my thigh was numb and ended up being numb for months honestly afterwards it's pretty crazy but yeah the marathon was just this kind of like running like thump 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 <laughs> like my left my left leg just trying to keep cadence there yeah, so when you crazy. come off the bike you're you're not on the podium at that point you, no you, i was in like no because i had had a number of people or at least andreas passed me on the second lap a few other guys passed me on the second lap after i popped because i was going so much slower um so i was in like seventh maybe some some seventh yeah. or eighth 
And then, um, you know, the goal was to run um, under 245. And that was, and so I just literally just ran at that pace. Um, I actually, actually ran the first half a little bit um, too fast. I was like, uh, uh, I was in, I think I was on like 241 or 242 pace in the first half. And then, um, but man, passed, moved up. Cam was still in third. Um, I, I passed Cam around like mile 18 and um, was reeling in Andreas, but didn't quite get to Andreas. And then Sebastian was, Sebastian finished like, I think Andreas was about a minute in front of me and Sebastian was like, and uh, maybe another six or seven minutes in front yeah, of me. Yeah, he was 746 or 754. So. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so. The cool thing about Challenge Rough, I mean, I think most of the races you do, um, you think about Wildflower, there's not a lot of spectators out on the bike course, right? Yeah, you, yeah. Like no, no, there's nobody out there. There's nobody out there. Yeah. Wales, I don't know. Um, yeah. Assuming Lanzarote, there's like. The no, you're just, you're out in the boonies most yeah. of the time. Yeah. So here you are at Challenge Roth with the biggest yeah. crowds in, in our sport, right? You got yeah. 50,000 people on Solar yep. Bar Hill. Yeah. <laughs> you're amazing. Pretty cool, right? Oh yeah. That, that, I mean, I, I wrote about it all. That's, that's a moment going up Solar Hill with yeah. Cam and, and, um, and Sebastian. Yeah like at the front of challenge Roth is a moment I will absolutely never forget. I mean, that one of the coolest moments of my triathlon career for sure. Well, wow. and, um, you know, and then, and then subsequently just, uh, you know, running into the stadium and crossing the finish line at, at yeah. third in third there too, because it's, it's a huge stadium yes. and you do there, you do the little turn that they, that they have the challenge isn't is kind of known for. Um, and you know, they're, I mean, it, it, I may as well have won. I mean, that's what it felt like, you know, sure. people were cheering so loud and my family was there, both my, my, uh, my wife and, and both my kids, my, in fact, even my, um, at Roth, they allow you to receive aid from your family or friends if they're within a hundred meters of a, of a, of a normal aid station. Yep. So you kind of can, you kind of have options to have like special needs in all these different places. And it was pretty cool. Cause my son got to, you know, my son gave me my, um, nutrition, uh, one time, which was just cool. And that's really cool. Just, a, just cool memories. Yeah. Well, and also isn't, uh, his favorite song danger zone. And then that race, that was it. You can, you can actually wear a headset, which I think is a really good idea for the run. You could use I, it. I, I mean, I think, you know, you, you got to be safe, but yeah, it's a closed course. And, and what, what I ended up doing, the, that run is really two different stages. Yep. When, you, when you start, you go out and you're, you, you run through some crowd for the, for the first mile or two, but then you basically go out to this canal and you run about 12, 13 miles on this canal. Yeah. And, it's, and it's a great running surface, a great place to run. It can get really hot because it can be exposed, but it's like, it's an, it's an amazing place to run a marathon because you're off the road. It's like a little bit nicer on your legs. Um, but it's all, there's nobody out there. Nobody. And so, yeah. So that, that was, I was basically like, if I can wear headphones, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it out on this section. And just because in, in Ironman, you really want to kind of, you want to zone out. You want to forget that you're racing for, the first half of the marathon anyway, yeah. you know? And so that, so it was perfect. So I did that. I plugged those in 
had uh, my, you know, this combination of songs I liked and songs that reminded me of my family or my friends or whatever. And, and it was really fun. And then awesome. when I came back into town and, and, and it was like the last 10, you know, K of the race, then, then I, I took the headphones out so I could be more engaged with the guys I was trying to, to pass and, and be more engaged with the crowd. So very yeah, cool. And yeah. So you did it all because you got yeah. on the podium. Yeah. Sub 245 and one yep. sub eight. Yeah. It was awesome. That's awesome. sort of a drop the mic moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, ironically, now you can literally say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, I, I had just accomplished all my goals there that I, that I really wanted to accomplish. And, and really, you know, in hindsight, felt like at that point I had accomplished, I had certainly hadn't accomplished everything I wanted to in my career, but um, I'd accomplished a lot of the things that I wanted to, which was, which was a really nice feeling. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So you walk away from the sport at 40, right? You walk away yeah. from the sport at 40 and you have to look back at your career and go, okay, it, like you said, maybe that you didn't have every win that you wanted, but man, yeah. you had a pretty damn good career. And from that, you built a business. Yeah, that was the thing. I mean, that, 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 that's how the, the story goes is that, you know, this whole time I was kind of, you know, we had started Picky Bars in 2010, which was the year that I started racing. Yep. And then, um, and it was this project that became its own, that became a legitimate company after, you know, on its own. And I mean, the last, the last four or five years of my career were just insane. I mean, you know this, cause you and I talked about it cause you're a multiple time entrepreneur and, you know, and, and I appreciate your input and support and all that. And it was just like, you know, the, 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 in fact, the, the, here's one example I'll give the, so I go to Wales and do my first Ironman, win my first Ironman. That was the fall of 2015. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, we got an email from Trader Joe's that wanted to bring us in nationwide. And so the next, the next spring, I'm basically completely revamping our business. Right. New contract manufacturer, new loans, like all this new, new stuff to be able to go to Trader Joe's. Subsequently, trying to get ready for Ironman Lanzarote and what I assume is going to be my first Kona. Right. All yeah. at the same time. I mean, it was just crazy town, like for that, you know, like for those last few years. And so when, when, after my daughter was born right before Kona in 2017, and then I did Roth in 2018, I knew my body was, was beat up and the business was going through some really, um, you know, kind of scary times um, with some supply chain problems that we had had. And, and as a result, financial uh, distress. Yeah. And I just, I just needed to focus on the business, you know? So it was this kind of this combo thing where my body's burnt, my, you know, I want to spend more time with my family and I, and I really have to spend more time on, I have to focus on the business. And, um, and that, that kind of led to an extended break, which, which ultimately led to that, to challenge rock being my last race which is crazy i wasn't expected at the time but that's what ended up happening i didn't realize that was your last race wow that was my last oh, race i know that, that's it's kind of awesome actually really to, to when i look back on it because i'm like man i went out on such a high note like i never had to go have that iron man where you're you know or the, those races where you're just kind of hanging on and you're yep not performing as well as you want to and you know it's kind of 
I feel really, feel really, really lucky in hindsight as a result of that. You know, I, I don't know if there's another professional triathlete who's retired after going sub eight. Yeah, maybe <laughs> no, not. Never raced yeah. again after going sub eight. Yeah, no, maybe maybe not. You know, and so <laughs> it's it's funny. Um, you know, it's it's actually weird. I had an advisor, um, who a friend of mine who's a business owner, and and, and he was like, he texted me like just randomly we we only talk a few times a year and he was like um he's like hey man massive congratulations on your on challenge roth on fulfilling all those goals he's like i know you got a lot on your plate with picky i just want to let you know just totally my two cents out of nowhere take it for whatever you want, want whatever you want but i think you should seriously consider not racing anymore like he he was just like i i've seen so many athletes have a big pop right before the end and then try to go do one or two more and they, and they hurt themselves. They, they just, it just ends up being kind of like not as good of an experience. Right. It was weird. Kind of as time went on, I was like, man, that's pretty good advice, you know? And so well, I think weird. about when you, you think about what Mark Allen in 1995, he'd been away for a year. He's right. Uh, 13 minutes down off the bike. He yeah. Runs down Thomas Hell Regal and drop the mic. I'm totally done. right. Totally. My sixth, what else am I going to do? If, I, if yeah. I come back and don't do as well, then you feel obligated to keep going. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, everybody's watching the Michael Jordan documentary right now. It's just, you know, it's the same. So amazing. Same yeah. thing. Yeah, it's crazy. But, but yeah, it, it, I feel really lucky to have, have had that experience. How has Picky Bar been doing during all this uh, chaos? It, it, it was, uh, so, I mean, the, the kind of, story of it 2018 was pretty scary um you know we just we had we just we don't we have never raised any money for picky bars as i've talked to you about we want to own it all and so we there's isn't like a big financial backstop um when we had and we had this big supply chain issue where we had to throw away a bunch of product we were out of stock for a long time but long story short we were able to navigate that and and um since then um kind of since about the first quarter about a year ago We've been doing really well. We've been profitable. We've paid down some of our debt. Um, we've been growing. We've been focusing on our direct-to-consumer business, specifically our Picky Club, which is, I, I think, the most, you know, there's a thousand energy bars out there, and ours, are, and ours are great. All of our products are great. But it's really hard to differentiate yourself. Sure. And we have this um, subscription service where people can, you know, get whatever products they want every month and, and there's content that go, that's part of it and kind of a, like a community atmosphere. And, and that's a big focus for us. And that's kind of the most unique aspect of our company, I think. Um, yeah. And that, that's going really well. And so, um, yeah. Well, cause you're controlling your own destiny, right? Yeah, totally. You're more direct to consumer. You, you know yeah. exactly who your consumer is. You're able to address them whenever you want. Yep. And so the, it becomes, uh, most big companies don't have that. They don't have that relationship with the consumer. And you've yeah. all had that. Obviously, right now, you can't go to events. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and as a result of that, we've been able to, so far, navigate the COVID crisis, you know, because, it's, because people are still buying online. Yep. And that's where we market our stuff and have it available primarily. You know, we've, we've definitely had aspects of our business that have suffered greatly but overall we're i feel super lucky because nobody can plan for anything like this it's just pure luck that but i feel super lucky that we've been okay and we continue to be okay so far we're, we're, i'm definitely nervous about you know the impending yeah economy and in how you know how the 
how everything is going to pan out and what that will mean for our customers and for us. But, um, you know, we're just doing the best to navigate the uncertainty as we can. I love it. My, one of my favorite Jesse Thomas stories is you win wildflower and you're sort of forced to sprint at the end coming down that ridiculous hill. Yeah. And you know, during that sprint that you just broke your foot. Yeah. Now, was it the same bone? Was it that same navicular? Or something it was, different? it was a navicular. Oh and it was all, ironically the same one on the same side. Yeah. Uh, so you know when you're standing at the finish line with the folks and uh, with Lauren, everybody is like, "I just broke my foot." Yeah, I, I was literally told my mom that right after the right after the finish line. She comes up, she gives me a hug. She's like, "I'm so proud of you. I can't believe it. It's three in a row." And um, and then I was like, "Thank you. I'm pretty sure my foot is broken." <laughs> and then you really couldn't race again. Until no, it was, it was the year. same deal. I ended up having, I ended up having surgery on that foot. Um, and then it takes seven, eight months, nine months to heal. And then I ended up having to get the, I started running again in December or January and ended up having to get the screw taken out because it was aggravating the joint. And so it set me back long story short. Yeah. didn't race again until wildflower the next year. And I, and I, as I had written at that time, I had run 12 miles total prior to wildflower, <laughs> prior to racing. <laughs> you were um, rested. You were really yeah, I was rested. very rested. I'd run 12 miles total. I put on like my thickest training shoes and it actually serendipitously ended up being super lucky because that was the year that the, that the big drought started and they broke the run into two That's pieces. Right which made it um, better for my foot than doing all of it at the same time. So yeah, it was crazy. Hey Jess, congratulations on an awesome career, man. Thanks it's man. Really fun watching the growth of Picky Bar and just watching yeah, thank you. just how you've handled yourself and been such a, just, just a great spokesperson for our sport. I really appreciate it. Well, I, I really appreciate your help, Bob. I mean, you, you kind of helped, you know, my career progress and put me, on the map in front of people. And, and that helped with uh, building a fan base and, and getting sponsors and being able to, you know, do it and being able to survive, not just racing, but professionally in the sport. And I, and I really appreciate that. And then all the advice as well as a, as an entrepreneur, it's been an honor to get to know you also through all this. So Love it. Jesse, yeah. thank you, buddy. You bet. Uh, Jesse Thomas has been our guest. Again, we're brought to you by the PTO, the Pro Triathletes Organization, Amp Human, Velofix, Normatec, Forum Goggles, You Can, and our Challenged Athletes Foundation. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.